0: blog talk radio <music>
1: time again, and guess what? It is Sunday, the uh, February eighth, and we are on live. This is KWOD Radio, and uh, this is Al Al Joe Show, and Joe and and Joe is here. That's me, and Al is getting ready. So while he's getting ready, uh, we're going to go over the calendar and talk about things that are coming up here, Joe. So, We have some exciting things happen this weekend on space, and we definitely want to get to that. But before we do, uh, while he's Mr. Alec getting set up, we are going to go over some cold stuff. so it's coming up uh, real soon here, like this next weekend. (laughs) So this next weekend, the 13th, 14th, and 15th, just in time for Valentine's Day, uh, the amazing Arizona Comic Con in downtown Phoenix. And we're excited to be have to actually have a space out there. Uh, it would be Wad Media as well as uh, Arizona Publishing Services. And we're going to be in space number 19, so come on out. And we're in the far left of the uh, convention center, of uh, the vendor room, and come on out and uh, find out what's going on. Uh, we'll be doing shows off and on all, all weekend uh, with our authors and other people who can possibly ramrod in and coerce to get over to us, and we can talk. Or I can just do what I usually do, which is take my laptop and walk around and really harass people. Always popular. (laughs) So we're going to be there, and uh, of course we'll be doing the show again on Sunday the 15th at 7 o'clock. And we will be on the very tail end of, of the con, and we'll be really hard-pressed to get here in time to be able to do anything. But we're going to see what we can do as far as either 7 or or perhaps push it back another hour for 8 in order for us to be back from the con in time. Uh, And let's see. We're going to be on the 21st. 21st, we've got the Publishing and Marketing Meetup for Authors. That's uh, something I do uh, every month or whenever I can. Uh, That's the third... Saturday of the month, 12.30 to 2.30. And need more information about that, definitely get a hold of me. This is your Meetup. This is a Meetup group, and it's a Writer's Workshop group, the East Valley Writer's Workshop group, or the Central Valley uh, Writer's Writers Group, and uh, Publishing and Marketing Meetup for Authors. Those, those are people who are ready to publish or getting ready to publish and need to know how to you know, go to the steps that they need to take uh to do so. And of course once they get into print, what in the world do they do at that point. So lots of stuff that go over and, and we, we do we talk about different things every every month. And We've got a lot of other things going on. That's some things that we can't say anything about. But on the twenty second on Sunday, we got a special hey girl show. Hey. And uh we've got a special guest coming and we'll be putting that up uh very soon. I've got the information. Uh putting up that show later this evening, so keep a look out. And that'll be starting at three PM. That's gonna again gonna be a special show. Uh, if you're local here, then come on out to the Time Out Lounge on Mill Avenue and Southern at three to five PM we will be doing the show live. And we'll have a special guest there on the Sunday. I know I thinking Sunday how in the world. Hey, we get these people when we when we can and this person is somebody we wanted to talk to and we're getting them in on a special time. So that'll be a special show on the twenty second. Um We'll be doing a tape show for this space next space is on that day so It's only like only allowed two hours uh per day, so we will be doing the the using that time for the special hate girls show and we'll be taping uh the next space and getting that up for you as soon as we get done on the twenty third We have a regular hate girls show uh we were doing that on Wednesdays, but now we are moving that to Mondays. And that will be a regular time slot from now on for uh, the rest of this year. will be Monday. It's the last Monday of the year. Or, uh, last Monday of the month, sorry. And really pushing everybody here. And uh, that's going to be from 8 to 10 p.m. as usual. Again, uh, if you're here live, you can come on out and support and listen to live music. Um, which is independent music on, in the area. And that's from 8 to 10 p.m. on the 23rd got lots of books coming up, and we're very excited about that. There is a PRWC mini-conference for teachers. That's going to be downtown Phoenix. And we will be out there showing our books and talking to teachers from 9.30 to 2.30 on February 28th. That's Saturday, February 28th. If you're a teacher, the PRWC mini-conference is the place to be to find out, you know, uh, exactly how you have more information about your job and how you can make it easier and just, you know, general information. And, of course, lots of books to be able to peruse that may help you in a classroom. So, the mini conference for teachers on February 28th. Also, we've got the Wild West Punk Convention coming up. On March 6th, 7th, and 8th, and that's down in Old Tucson. And I've been out there a couple times and been as speak- even spoke a couple times out there. And I have to tell you, it's a lot of fun. Um, you get dressed up in punk Western style, and this is Arizona, so you know we do Western well here. And it's a lot of fun because this year is going to be about mad science, and so we've got some things that we're working on with them. To bring out and um, be fun. So, if you're into wild west and you're into steampunk or any of combination, def- definitely place to be out there, Old Tucson. What a cool place to actually have a convention. Also on the on the seventh, uh, we are, will be out at Arizona Publishing Services is proud to take out uh, T M Williams book signing for the clusters hardcover. The book signing is going to be in Dewey Humboldt Town Library from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And that is right downtown Humboldt. If you you sneeze, you miss it. (laughs) So that's 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. and that's March 7th. And also be in Prescott at the Prescott Library working on final times, but that will be from 4 p.m. until 6. Again, March 7th on that Saturday. Tucson Festival of Books is on the March 14th. And that's uh, March 14th and 15th we will be out there. I will be out there. After signing books at one of the uh, locations. We're not sure of the space yet, uh, space number, but when I find out, I'll definitely let you guys know. I'll be out there with books, and um, special times from on Saturday and Sunday, I'll be signing from 1.30 to 3.30 both days. Want to talk to me about media? Want to talk to me about books or publishing? Uh, Get with me at the Tucson Festival Books, and I'll set a time aside to talk to you about those, so... And the 20th and 21st, Konnichiwa, Anime in Tucson. That's 20th through the 22nd. And then 21st and 22nd, uh, DevCon at ASU West. And that's um, all day, uh, Saturday and Sunday. I will be out there actually talking about media, and we're doing a workshop on actually media production. So, uh, come on out and talk to us. And on, I know, there's so many things to do, can I say. And then on the 23rd of March, we're doing the Hit Girl Show. I know, it's not the last uh, Saturday. you know, I got to double check on that. Because <laughs> that's not the last Monday, so I'm not sure what the girls are thinking. So, we'll find out, make sure, and let you know on um, in March. We will have a book launch uh for the Secret Keeper on the 20- March twenty seventh. Just in time for Laughing VinCon, which will our good friend out there, Todd Van Hooser. Another virus, uh Laughing Vencon, March twenty eighth, and that's a Saturday only. Uh, we'll also be out there teaching, publishing, workshop. So if you want to know more about that, definitely PM me on Facebook at pj.holstrand spelled h-u-l-t s-t-r-a-n-d that's two t's everyone if you don't get that right then you won't find me otherwise I'm everywhere Uh, WonderCon is coming on April 3rd, 4th and 5th that's not here in town that's definitely in California but you know it's definitely a cool con to get to if you can and I think that's going to be it for now. I've got a lot of other things going up, but you know what? I'm just going to keep you guys on the dive now. So think going all the way through June. Um, so we're excited to be a lot of different places this time, this year. And let's we'll see. Let's check in with with uh, Al here. You ready to talk about some stuff? Just about. Just about. Just about ready. And what we usually do here, I'll just let you know, this is live, and yes, you can talk, and yes, you can call in, the phone number is 714-242-5145. The only thing we ask is that this is about man, space, progress, and we don't talk about religion, we don't talk about, you know, uh, politics, we talk about man, space, so with that in mind, You know, if you want to call in, make sure that's what we're talking about, okay? Otherwise, I'm going to have to push a button. And I don't want to push a button. So, play nice out there, people. Again, the guest call number is 714-242-5145. Yes, that is long distance. If you have a cell phone, that won't cost you anything. If you are more inclined to uh, just chat with us, so underneath the show information, if you're checked in, you have to be signed in and do this, but there's a flash chat down below. And you are at any time able to, you know, comment or ask questions there, especially if you're shy and you just don't want to... excuse me. Don't want to... um, embarrass yourselves, then go ahead and and sign in and uh, give us your questions or comments at any time, and I will route them over to Al. Or if she has something to say to me, you can talk to me too. Uh, Just let you know that all the information that that, uh, Al has found, we uh, share with you. During the show, while he's talking about it, I will be putting up the links of all the locations where he finds this online This is helps to validate everything that has been talked about, and you can click on it and go direct to that page and find it yourself, or afterwards, you know all that those links are there, copy and paste them into something before we get in, before we get out, and you can use them at your leisure. If you miss anything of the show, say hey, you know you're listening now, and you don't have time, and you have to, you know, leave and go do, do something or, uh, or whatever, some shows on that you wanna you wanna listen to. Uh, definitely, uh, this is all archived. to say, gift that keeps on giving, and uh, that is archived. And uh, about an hour after the show, it, you can go right back to it. Uh, find out where you left off and keep listening. Or if you want to share with your friends and family, uh, cohorts, uh, dominating leaders, I don't know. Whoever you want to, you, want to, uh, you know, space advocates out there, crazy folks, you know. Uh, share the link and they can listen to it at their leisure at any time. Uh, we have been around for KWOD Radio for several years. Um, we have built quite a, quite a calling and we're very proud of that. And we will, we're we just happy to have more and more listeners, obviously. as we certainly don't want to sit here and, and talk and, for no reason. Not that we are talking for any reason anyway, like right now. <laughs> but it's like, stretch out the information here. So that way Al can get prepared for his part of... Uh, the show, and I, you know, I'm just, I'm just a, I'm just a sidekick, <laughs> My side sidekick, sidekick with the mic. So, are you ready? Yeah. Let yeah. me get up uh, our links here. That way we can rock and roll it. Especially since I need to lock in now because I got knocked off. So again, uh the links are live that I share uh with you guys on Blog Talk and that's on the chat information down below the information about the show. And stretch out the information. Boy, I just you know, what else am I gonna talk about? <laughs> Okay, you know, we talked about, we just came back from a Leprechaun meeting, so we might as well just give them a plug. I'm all for that. Uh, Leprechaun is a local uh, fan-run convention and sci-fi fantasy, and um, Al and I are on the board, and we're happy to be there, helping out with the con because you know, I've been going to cons for like 25 freaking years. 24 or 25. Who, you know, who who's counting? I know. Oh my God. I just, and I'm not quite sure why. I must say, I am definitely crazed. I'm definitely crazed, but, you know, that's what everybody says. So, um, you yeah, know, that's our opinion. Uh, I happen to like. My... Weirdo woman. <laughs> yeah.
0: I can vouch for
1: that. <laughs> I happen to, you know, it, it's the camaraderie Uh, in the pop culture community is just. You know, we're all friends, and and if we're not friends, we're enemies, and and that's cool too, because everybody got to have one, at least one. Not many friends, I talk talking about enemies, but uh, I, and we should all
0: have an enemy.
1: We should all have at least one enemy. Keeps us on our toes. And I think that, you know, honestly, every every person and and any business needs to have some kind of competition.
0: Competition,
1: yes. Yes. Now you're thinking, well, enemy is that's not really competition. Well that depends on how and how you know whether or not you have weapons. <laughs> and whether or not, uh, you know, how you take it. So, um I don't consider my competition to be technically uh, my enemies. That's an entirely different breed. But um Sometimes there's people who say they're your friends that are, wind up being your enemies. But, you know, it's, that's a whole different walk Yeah, I'm just, I am rambling here. Are yeah, you going to save on. me or not? No. I'm here to do the news. <laughs> are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, well. I've been ready. for a whole minutes. No, you haven't. I checked on you. <laughs> so, looks like we've got our, our, everything working. This time we were having trouble last time with the microphone. This time? Yeah, we had a we had had
0: real, some real challenges last week. It okay. was and and you know I didn't get a chance to check out the audio from last week. Did you?
1: It was in and out. The problem was I think the mic that we were using just wasn't wasn't up to the.
0: Really? Okay. Well, we we're got so we got we got our good mic back. What's so. up, par? Yeah. So, we apologize. Right. Are, are we ready to get into this?
1: I I've been i I've been ready. <laughs> I've been here.
0: All right. Well, this week, uh NASA okay. starts our starts <laughs> our uh our, our tally list this week. Um commercial astronaut flights from the Space Coast risk slipping beyond 2017 without a significant boost in the budget to develop private rockets and spacecraft. Now, NASA said this um in a meeting uh in a proposal for um $18.5 billion dollar spending plan for 2016, which would increase support for the Commercial Crew Program, which is led from Kennedy Space Center, by 50% to $1.2 billion overall. Charlie Bolden, NASA Administrator, said he was optimistic Congress would support the request after this year approved the program's highest spending level yet of $805 million. Now, he said that uh, that was an indication to him that they now understood the importance of it. The one thing that everybody wants is they want us off dependence on Russian launch vehicles and Russian craft to get our crews to orbit, he says. That's 2017, and we're going to do that. Now, last, last September, NASA awarded contracts worth uh, $6.8 billion to Boeing and SpaceX in order to get the crews flying to the International Space Station by 2017, ending the reliance on Russia. So the budget increase for next year reflects work that those companies have planned in those contracts and so forth. Um, now, in addition, um, NASA also turned around and this week issued a sole source notice for six Soyuz seats to go to the ISS. So hedging its bets on commercial crew, NASA's Johnson Space Center on February 6th issued a formal notice of its intent to buy six more round-trip seats on Russian Soyuz spacecraft bound for the ISS in 2018. Now notice I said 2018. Now a moment ago we said that hopefully SpaceX and Boeing with their CST-100 and SpaceX Dragon would be begin ferrying astronauts in what did I say? 2017. So what we have here is NASA is hedging its bets. Uh-huh. Now, um, NASA needs to secure the transportation. They're currently paying Russia about $76 million a round-trip sea for astronauts to the ISS through 2017 and provide return services into 2018 under a deal signed last April. So it's going to be an interesting couple of years. Now, in releasing its 2016 budget proposal just last week, NASA said that the timetable depends on Congress fully funding its $1.2 billion commercial crew request, which we were just talking about. Now, that request represents an increase of, as I said, more than 50% from the $805 million Congress approved uh, in 2015. Now, she's going to be putting up two links for you there. The first one... Goes from Florida today, which is the first article I was actually taking notes from, and the second is from um, Space oh, News. SpaceNews.com. dot com. And there we're talking about the same issue. So check both of them out. There's a lot of each. Each article brings up some some differing perspectives on this. So check them out. It's 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 kind of it's always good to get different perspectives. On things that go on, because it helps us understand what it is that's going on. Now, moving to international news, the European Space Agency is getting ready to launch uh, a small reusable spacecraft that's due to make its first test run beyond be the atmosphere just next week. Wow. Um, now, what this thing is is it's actually a version of a miniature space shuttle. Wow! They took the lifting body concept made something that was much smaller called it the intermediate experimental vehicle and it just happens to be about the size of a family car shaped like a cone again for the lifting body structure and similar to NASA's Shuttle and the military's X37B space plane and the Dream Chaser so you know it's interesting that they put this list here because um the ISX or the IXV I got to get it right um is now the fourth in a series of lifting body spacecraft intended to go to orbit and return so this lifting body thing is it's a cool thing uh the military's x thirty seven b's been in the news several times over the last year or so, going up disappearing into the ether <laughs> and hiding itself up there not sure. none of us knowing really what it's what quite it's doing other than floating around in space so um uh, but they're testing this shuttle. That the article gives a nice uh, picture. Of the IXV space plane. Um, they even give you the ability to uh, size it up a bit. And they say it's different from the capsule. Um, the lifting body shape allows the vehicle to interact with the atmosphere, generating lift like an airplane, but without the wings. And this is the, this allows it to be guided during reentry, allowing for a more precise point during uh, reentry and hopefully a much more precise landing point. For its debut run, it will go up to about 250 miles, about as high as the ISS, um, and be launched uh, on the 98-foot tall four-stage Vega. So they're estimating a launch on February 11th, so we'll look forward to seeing that successful launch. Uh, still an in international, China's rocket plans reveal a very ambitious program. Beijing has shipped its fuel, liquid-fueled carrier rocket along March 7 to its Wenchang Satellite Launch Center in Hainan Province for tests in preparation for the rocket's first launch next year. Now, it's fueled by, by a non-toxic, non-polluting liquid diesel, and its modular design allows for modification of the engine and propeller to accommodate various spacecraft. So this modular structure has aspects, shares some aspects with SpaceX design in being modular in that it can be modified and adjusted depending on what you want to do. They throw a couple extra cores on it, it becomes a Falcon Heavy. Um, They reduce the fuel load, it only goes up so high. Um, Either way, uh, I still put my money on SpaceX. I mean, landing in the ocean, landing on on a launch pad, being able to bring the booster back, there just ain't no better modular than that. but anyway, Beijing considers its billion-dollar space program as a sign of its rising international status. Uh, remember, they launched Tiangong-1 space station last year. Uh, they even set up a couple of astronauts to it. Um, they now have uh, a new rocket coming up. Uh, the next generation after the March 7, or long March 7, is coming up along March 9. That rocket aims to have a payload equivalent to the U.S. launch vehicle Jupiter with a maximum payload of 100. The rocket's first test launch has been planned for 2028. So even so, the the Long March 9 is a bit of a ways off. uh, And they've got a long-term strategy, uh, step-by-step moving forward. Uh, So we'll we'll have to see how that uh, plays out. Now, one thing that I also found was another reference to the same article material, but actually from a different website. And want China times uh, different slightly different take most of the information is similar but I thought you'd enjoy the uh, the extra thing they've got lots more uh, news items over on the side to check out now over from Space Daily Russia has decided to suspend its joint space program with you the Ukraine now for those of you who may not understand most of the launches, the Soviet launches, reasonably have been done in Ukraine. This is the very country that Russia's been manipulating or trying to manipulate over the last year or so. Um, Russia has suspended their cooperation with Ukraine over a joint space commercial program, NEPR. Now, that's spelled D-N-E-P-R, but the D is, I believe, silent. Um, and Roscosmos Cosmos said Monday, the project for the launch of NEPR carrier rockets has been suspended. Prospects of this program will be determined. Now, Moscow seemed to change its mind five, or wait a minute, back in May, Sergei Konomaryov said that Russia and Ukraine planned to continue cooperation despite aggravated relations. However, Moscow changed its mind five months later saying um, the country's economic, political, and military interests were incompatible with the continuation of the launch program. Now, likely as a result, response to the possibility of Russia's withdrawal, Sergei Boyd, a general director of Ukraine's Yuz Design Bureau, estimated the annual loss for the bureau at around $200 million U.S. dollars. And, of course, the NEPA rocket, which is con- conversed from the Voyevoda intercontinental ballistic missiles, have been carried out by the Russian-Ukraine-Kazakhstan joint venture Cosmotros. According to Cosmotros, website, it successfully performed 20 launches since 1999, the most recent on November 6th of 2014 um, out in Russia's southeastern Orenburg region. The next commercial launch of the NEPR space rocket has been planned for March in the interest of a South Korean client. So, again, uh, the fallout from the Russia-Ukraine issue is um,
1: far-reaching.
0: far-reaching in a lot of ways. Um, so uh, you got to keep a watch on things in order to see what's going on. Now, tonight at 4, we were scheduled to launch uh, the SpaceX ship with the Discover uh, payload on board. However, <laughs>
1: As everything is safe. Um,
0: They have had to reschedule the launch. Um, Apparently, um, there were some issues with a transmitter on the second stage. And what was the other one? Uh, Where'd it go? I can't remember what the second item was.
1: Uh, Universetoday.com. Monitoring solar winds.
0: I'm getting there. I'm talking about SpaceX right now. Yeah. The launch was scheduled to go off at six ten Eastern time, launching the NOAA's Deep Space Climate Observatory short name was Discover into Orbit. Now, however, and of course we were all looking forward to that next attempt to land a booster.
1: Yeah. Now they've had
0: to scrub that launch and reschedule it tentatively for tomorrow. Um and we'll have to wait and see how it goes. So keep your eyes on, on the news channel, on the on the uh, uh, NASA.gov website videos. Um, they At 6.10, they had a hold, hold, hold. Terminal count aborted at T minus 2 minutes 26 seconds due to a tracking issue. So they wouldn't be launching. Now, the weather outlook is uh, currently very promising with greater than 90% chance of favorable weather um targeted again for tomorrow at six ten PM uh from Cape. So disappointing. Very disappointing. Now from Spaceflight now we have an article talking about new challenges await SpaceX next rocket landing attempt. Now they've got a team positioned off Florida's East Coast and of course they're probably uh coming into the hotel for the night. Uh depending on how far out they are, or they may just spend the night out there on their uh monitoring ship um, but the demanding trajectory of the flight adds more unknowns to the company's dicey endeavor to land the booster on a ship at sea they uh, in fact um we had some adjustments uh they quoted that we had some adjustments after the last fairly hard landing on c r s five um and we fixed a lot of the problems relative to that now um They have added the additional uh, hydraulic fluid that they needed to have for that. Um, And they addressed some other issues relative to positioning and so forth. So hopefully when the ship goes up this time, they will have addressed that. Now, of course, as as this article talks about, um, the trajectory is going to be a bit different, a little bit more challenging. So it's going to be interesting to see just how well the new fins um, and the additional hydraulic fluid, and as well, uh, the adjustments to the ship are going to make that go forward. Now,
1: No question is, uh, you said that's January to be tomorrow? Yeah. But it's that's correct. January 10th. Huh?
0: Where would you get January
1: 10th? Oh, that was the first one, wasn't it? Uh,
0: first that one was today. It
1: specially outfitted barge valve by successful
0: January 10th launch? You're looking at an older page. That's the previous... That was the CRS-5 launch back on the ten
1: Okay.
0: got to hit the arrow to the right to get to the right. I One, two, already two.
1: Did that. Oh, that's all right. That's all right.
0: That Moving on. Moving on. A little interesting thing goes on. Uh, Elon Musk named the two barges. Now, here's something to keep in mind. How many of you knew that there were two of them? They're constructing a Well, in a matter of speaking, there's one on the East Coast in the Atlantic, and there's one on the West Coast going into the Pacific. Um, Oh my
1: God.
0: SpaceX is planning on launches from both coasts being picked up and landing on the barges in both oceans. Well, that's. This is long-term planning here that people. I don't think a lot. I don't think a lot of people really figured this one out. I thought. I think a lot of people thought that the barge landings. We're going to be a temporary thing but it's important to understand that there's a viable reason for these barge landings first of all if they tried to come down straight from orbit and get all the way back range to the land to the launching site that would take a whole lot more fuel so
1: obviously they're trying to maximize their location.
0: They're, they're trying to maximize the lift fuel to get the cargo into orbit and reduce the, the burn back fuel that brings them back towards their landing site. By putting a the
1: concept.
0: By putting their <laughs> saving money. Yeah, see there you go.
1: <laughs> Plenty ahead. Now there's a the concept. Yeah. You think
0: that sadly, you know, nothing against NASA. But do you really think NASA would have ever
1: tried this? No.
0: I really they don't keep either. So
1: to like. They're
0: always they're always launching from the Cape and they're going to keep launching from the Cape until something forces and them. to And they keep something landing
1: different. in the
0: ocean. And they keep dropping the trash in the ocean. <laughs> You know, so uh, a little. That in every
1: other country. But you know, I, I
0: have to chuckle at this because um, it, this article particularly brings out the interesting names, and it, the article calls them quirky that Elon Musk gave to the two ships. Courtney. Um, now one of them, the I, one in the Atlantic. Is his name no, not at all. He's in trouble. The full name, okay, the full name <laughs> okay. for the barge that is in the Atlantic Ocean, the full name is, quote, just read the instructions, unquote. Just read the instructions. That's the name of the ship. Now, the the name of the the barge that's going out to the Pacific is, and again, it's, quote, of course I still love you, unquote. All right?
1: So he's telling the other barge, it's okay to have two of you. I just
0: have one on the West Coast and one on the East Coast. Now, see, I, I'm thinking. This, the, Two there's different
1: a, girlfriends.
0: No, 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 no. See, I actually have a completely different perspective here.
1: Okay.
0: This is a couple, perhaps a media movie star couple, who have decided to separate <laughs> to neutral corners.
1: Oh, one of one on the East Coast,
0: one on the West Coast. And um, the, the the guy is saying, just read the instructions.
1: No, know The girl not. is
0: saying, "Just read the instructions,"
1: yeah. the and the says, guy is
0: saying, "Of course, I, I still love you." Love you.
1: Uh-huh.
0: you know, but they're both I'm sailing not quite in different sure directions. What
1: the instructions have to do with
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> still loving.
1: Now, I'm not sure if I want to know. Right. But it just now, this is a dubious, okay?
0: Well, yeah, but now uh, see, here's the thing you got to remember. Apparently, these names come from ships, from stories written by Scottish sci-fi legend. E.N.M. M. Banks.
1: Um,
0: they come from. Uh, his, those
1: are the names of his stories. Those are, no,
0: those are the names of ships in the story.
1: Yeah, he's weird.
0: Okay, so yeah, you know, I'm of just science
1: fiction authors, and I've never heard of
0: that one. Before. Yeah, I, I I hadn't either. Huh. Uh, apparently, uh, he is uh, a fairly popular. Um,
1: well, I've heard Scottish, of games, but I just, I just didn't know he was showing yes. me a ship, something weird and obscure uh-huh. like that.
0: In the culture books, both Just Read the Instructions and, of course, I Still Love You, are general contact vehicles that appear in the novel The Player of Games. Uh-huh. Now, as wonderfully complex and often perplexing characters include artificial intelligence, known as minds, uh-huh. oh, now there's a new concept, Minds that control the spaceships, which are ubiquitous throughout uh-huh. the culture series. Now, the sentient minds choose their own names, hence the often unfathomable and, frankly, weird designation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> author of the article goes into some other names that are indeed different. And,
1: you'll have uh, to read the article. You'll have
0: to read the article to check those out. All the more so, reason
1: for you, you guys to click the articles.
0: Click yeah. through, check out the articles, and become aware. Now, where do the they mayor. find
1: them, Casey? It's news.discovery.com? Yeah. I okay. gave
0: you the link, did I? Yeah, yeah well, okay.
1: Letting people know who are not who are going to archive us right. and not listening to us live and get their cool little links, okay? Right. Okay. All right. All
0: right. All right. Sierra Nevada. Oh. You have to forgive Al oh, uh,
1: it's been a
0: long, long day.
1: day. Very long.
0: Very long day. Um Sierra Nevada. Uh space systems and OHB system A G. Announced the completion of the initial James Chaser for European utilization study, co-founded by the Space Administration of the German Aerospace. Oh, read the article.
1: Anyway, they announced
0: that the German company and the American company Sierra Nevada have been working for quite some time on a study to see what needed to be done or could be done to implement Sierra Nevada uh, spacecraft, either with adjustments to ride on uh, rockets. From uh, Europe, um, they supported a um, the, the study confirms the viability of using the spacecraft for microgravity science and ADR, uh, which is active debris removal, and it can benefit the entire international space community with its unique capabilities. Now we look forward to further maturing our design with SNC as we expand their partnership. So there again, it's One of the interesting things that I find in the industry today is that a lot of these companies, as the government funding sources are shifting and changing and shrinking, they're finding ways to use the resources that they've built in new and different ways to be able to keep them going and support them. Uh, Speaking of government, um, and... Uh, government uh, in related tech or related news uh, this is also an aspect and and I don't know I, I kind of feel like this is a way where government is reaching far beyond what it needs to but
1: the United
0: States Federal Aviation Administration has caused a uh, bit of a stir uh, by hinting that it plans to expand its authority to include exploration of the moon and the use of its resources. Oh, that's
1: really going to go well.
0: Reuters has reported that it has obtained a copy of a letter composed by officials with the agency and sent to U.S.-based Bigelow Aerospace. In it, the agency said it plans to leverage its launching authority okay. by adding licensing authority of moon assets, all to encourage private companies to invest in such activities. Okay, i got a problem with this. Yeah. Uh and in fact, the next sentence says that the reason such a move has caused such a stir, of course, is because it appears that the U.S. agency is attempting to expand its oversight into to an area where it does not have the authority to do so. Yeah. If those space geeks listening remember the 1967 Outer Space Treaty, OST, clearly states that no nation, no government, can establish any kind of a dominion, uh, be it legal or otherwise over the moon, or any other celestial body. Now, what the FAA sounds like it's trying to do is to do things against that treaty. Yeah. And they're going to run into some, some things. So
1: well, Hopefully they run into some contention because honestly, that's overstepping their bounds. Right. Somebody's got to be the watchdog around here.
0: Right. <laughs> now, George Niel, author of the letter in responding to Chrysler's criticism regarding its intent, okay, claimed that the wording does not imply that the agency is attempting to license moon landings. The agency, he says, was merely trying to reassure Bigelow that it would do its best to protect the company's assets once they are on the moon.
1: How in the world are they going to do that?
0: Well, that's the first question that comes to my mind, okay. While it is clear that new rules need to be written,
1: uh as we'll send Superman. Who needs a new sheriff in town? Yeah, I, I
0: think they're headed for trouble with this one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um again, <laughs> any government agency. Drops of the hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now, having said that, the next link, okay, gives us a little more information. Apparently Bigelow requested the FAA review after completing a report for NASA identifying an uncertain regulatory environment as a major obstacle to commercial lunar activities. Okay, wait a minute. Let's let's stop right here. Again, the United States government, and in fact, according to the OST, no government on Earth, according to that treaty, if they've signed it, no government on Earth appears to have regulatory or any other authority over anything happening on the moon. What was he thinking? And this kind of goes back to, to a commentary I was uh sharing with our with our listeners some weeks ago yeah. that how would the FAA enforce anything
1: As I said, on so people so on the moon. there.
0: Well actually there is a way. Okay. <laughs> Think about this. Let's let's consider the way that most people are looking at and I've I
1: telescope. Yeah, they're
0: going to come over and confiscate your telescope, right? Okay. Okay. All right, here's the thing. What they can do is IRS law protects uh, income such that if you are employed by a company that exists on U.S. soil, then any income paid by that company is considered U.S. source. If you are a citizen, and say you just happen to be working on the moon, mining the moon, then the IRS gen- uh, marks that income as U.S.-based income, ergo susceptible to U.S. taxes, ergo that employee falls under that U.S. company's jurisdiction, ergo that company being on U.S. soil falls under FAA jurisdiction and regulations. There's the logic. Now well, if that I mean, isn't chasing just, your tail, I don't know what is especially
1: from a governmental agency that is laying off its people before tax time. Well,
0: well I thought all government agencies did that. Before tax time. Okay.
1: Not when you're IRS, I mean, come
0: on. Right. So anyway it's in like the letter me. All right. let me get let me get on with this so we can <laughs> move on, all right? In the letter to Bigelow, the FAA's office said it had completed the payload review of a proposed lunar habitat requested by the company back in 2013. Now, the office, working with several other government agencies, I'm willing to bet the IRS was in there,
1: um,
0: said it was willing to use its authority to ensure Bigelow could carry out its activities there without interference from other companies licensed by the FAA. Okay, now we got a different picture. So the goal of the FAA is to prevent other companies from encroaching on Bigelow's commercial interests on the moon. Okay, now we're back to the original problem. How's the FAA going to enforce anything other than by docking the companies, pay taxes, whatever?
1: And here's the thing. I'm sorry, but this, you know, uh, there, there's always going to be competition. We just discussed that. Earlier.
0: That's true. But the problem they're trying to address is basically clean jumpers. Okay. Bigelow goes up there, sets up a habitat. Uh-huh. They got a couple of guys living in the in in the, the in the balloon, yeah. and they're going out here once in a while. They're doing mining around the the balloon. Some other guy comes up with another ship, lands right smack in the middle of their their base, and starts mining right there on top of what they're doing. Now, currently, even under the OST, there's nothing that any government can do.
1: Right. Right.
0: Theoretically speaking, of
1: Theoretically course.
0: Theoretically speaking. Yeah. So. This is something that the FAA is trying to address.
1: I just but again, don't know how they're going to enforce it. That's yeah,
0: just, there really isn't any way to enforce they it. they
1: can they can put out their list. What well, they're going they're they going to pull the
0: they're going to pull the enterprise out of mothballs and fly it up.
1: Oh, yeah, we like. <laughs> 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 and again, you
0: know. I I think, you know, the one thing about politicians is you got to give them credit. They they they've got this great imagination of how they think they're going to tap into something.
1: So, so are I mean, keep in Superman mind? is not out of the realm of, of creativity
0: then? No. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. But I here's the thing. Here's it. the thing. Although, they're going to have to compensate Superman for going there. Well, of course. And you know how tight-fisted the IRS is with their money. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Like, they're going to pay Superman to go up and enforce this? I now, don't think then so. He his hand
1: and said, well, thank you very much. You've given your your time and energy.
0: Yeah, he's going to look at them and uh, blow them down the roadway.
1: Yeah, so. with his X-ray eyes.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of, a <laughs> lot of stuff there. Uh, I just, I, I have to admit, the one thing is, is that it's just plain laughable
1: yeah, that the
0: government is trying to assert its influence on a celestial body. Yeah, the
1: thing is that they'll, so they'll, they're, going to try.
0: Yes, they're yeah. going to try.
1: They're going to try, and and they're going to spend money trying. And it's not going to happen. But let me ask you this. What do you think is really going to happen?
0: What do you think is going to involve, evolve out of this situation? Say, I, say I, Bigelow I gets up there. Say yeah. say Planetary Sciences gets up there. Uh, say some of these other guys get up there. And they actually land on the moon and they're all staking out their claims. Now, for the first probably 50, 60 years, they're not going to run into each other. Right,
1: because there's, there's plenty of things But when there. it
0: finally does happen,
1: yeah.
0: how do you think the government's going to... Well, be it, it, on this now,
1: here's the thing is, if somebody finds that an area is more lucrative than another, you think they're not going to go try to claim jump on them? Of course they're going to.
0: I think there's going to be that potential.
1: Sure.
0: Especially as time goes on and right. more and more people get up there.
1: Right. And they start out talking to each other.
0: Yeah. So, so there, there yeah. are some definite yeah, issues. Yeah, but you know.
1: There are jerks everywhere. Even yes, there, there.
0: are. And, and here I'm going to turn us back a little bit into history. Okay. Now,
1: in, exactly in the American wrong.
0: West the, gold, the 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 gold rush days the the settlers or not the settlers the prospectors ended up banding together and dealing to a large degree with claim jumpers as a group they became self policing and i think more than likely well, that is some of them got strung up
1: yeah.
0: you know when you think about the the yeah. the laws in those days it started to crop was
1: illegal, up and they it's right.
0: almost, and I say, I stress, almost as bad as horse stealing. Well,
1: yeah, I was going to say that. Horse stealing you know, is, is, is considered really bad at that time.
0: Right. So, there's definitely going to be an interesting next 10, 10 and 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to see, uh, there's a potential to see a lot of things
1: going on. Right uh, about it.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Definitely I can, I can definitely
1: it. see a, a story
0: on that. Uh, in additional related tech, the ATV... From ESA is due to be cut loose from the ISS this this week. Oh, In I'm fact, I think again. it's uh, Monday. And what they've done? Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I'm it's doing fine. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Come on, now, be quiet so I can keep going.
1: Hey, I'm I'm
0: questioning. <laughs> You're a here. Yeah.
1: Okay. Question everything,
0: right? Say. Isn't that the mantra? Question everything.
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. All right. Apparently, they have installed a camera inside the ATV that's currently docked at the ISS. Now, the purpose of this camera is to record the destruction of the ATV as it re-enters the atmosphere. All right. Now, there's a video that, if it doesn't go viral, I'm going to be surprised. I really am. Sounds
1: like fun to me. Buy popcorn.
0: I really don't think it's going to last. Um, now, basically, Monday, East Astronaut Samantha Freddy will float into the space ferry to install a special infrared camera. Now, the camera is set to capture unique interior views of the spacecraft's breakup on re entry. The battery powered camera will be trained on the ATV's forward hatch and will record the shifting temperatures of the scene before it. Oh, man. So it's it's not a regular view. It's it's all infrared. So we're not going to see pieces flying at the camera, and, you know, body I parts know, going totally, all over the place and bouncing off of the walls. You and,
1: totally ruined your good time.
0: I know. I know. I'm just, I'm just, uh, <laughs> man, if they should have. If they're going to put one camera, they should have put a second visual visual range camera in yeah, there, you know, maybe, so we can know. see the pure destruction and. The, fireball coming through the action. Yeah, you
1: know, let's you get the popcorn well, yeah. we'll roast it right on the remains.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the camera's gonna be recording around ten frames a second and show us at least ten seconds or so of the ATV. They're not quite sure what they're gonna end up seeing. Uh and they call it a breakup camera. Oh I'm sorry, but that just that phrase got me curious. I can see a new trend in the media.
1: Apparently, the (laughs) breakup camera.
0: Did you record your breakup?
1: I think I saw that movie.
0: Oh, you did. Oh, okay. Was it a movie or a series? No, it was a reality show.
1: Oh, yeah, reality show. is Every reality show. Yeah.
0: Oh, anyway, they're going to. Apparently, they're deciding to use this uh, buck or breakup camera uh, on future. ATV returns or future other craft returns, and so they're gonna they want to track what it is that's going on, see how it's breaking up, and so forth. Um, so that's interesting little side note. All right. Uh,
1: no, I think the interesting little side note is your next story.
0: <laughs>
1: now uh-huh. I have to
0: admit that the that the the title of this really got my attention.
1: I don't even remember how I
0: got into this. Insects wear tiny spacesuits for science. Okay, put us on hold here for a second. We
1: getting?
0: We're getting, uh, no, I'm not answering who it is. I don't answer unknown numbers. Anyway, okay, insects wear tiny spacesuits. All right. Let's back up a little bit, okay? The best way to get a good look at an insect is with a scanning electron microscope. They give you really detailed images of biological specimens. Wow.
1: Look, like I really want to.
0: But here's the problem. Scanning electron microscope has to work in a vacuum.
1: Well, that pretty much means it's a dead insect.
0: Dead insect, right. Uh-huh. So what they're doing is they wrap them in a substance that keeps the organisms alive without interfering with the imaging
1: project. That is
0: disgusting. what. Why?
1: What? It's a liquid
0: spacesuit. What could be better?
1: For insects. What? Well, it
0: seems to work.
1: What's the point here?
0: The idea is to is to get uh, SEM images of live insects moving around, you know, doing the toilet thingy and, and maybe eating <laughs> and regurgitating stuff for their young, you know, anyway, stuff like that.
1: I know I saw the cartoon of that
0: one.
1: <laughs> There's a space ghost in his... his uh, What was it, a
0: prey
1: mantis?
0: Right. There you go. Okay. So anyway,
1: um,
0: in their study, they found a way to image the living organisms, of course insects, coating them in a very thin flexible membrane that they call it a nano-suit. It's like between 50 and 100 nanometers thick. Roughly 1,000th the width of a human hair covers the whole body of each organism. Now, they imaged several different kinds of insects, including the mosquito, and um, they also imaged a species of shining leaf beetle. Getting insects into the nanosuits was easy. Of course, they simply dipped them into the diluted surfactant. Now then, they shone the electron beam or the plasma on the insect. Now the resulting nanosuits were hard on the outside and soft on the inside could repair themselves if the insect's movement broke the surfaces. They were able to take detailed images of the insects without harming the creatures. And that almost all the insects in the study survived the imaging. In ongoing work, the team plans to analyze the DNA of the insects after the imaging to see if the nanosuits caused any lasting health issues.
1: For the insects.
0: Yeah. I would actually be interested to know if the scanning electron microscope did any damage.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. And how are they
0: going to tell the difference between anything the scanning electron microscope did
1: and the, the
0: nanosuit? Yeah. You know, or or here's another one. How are they going to know that the SEM didn't trigger a third type of reaction by yeah, okay. reacting with the nanosuit
1: to that,
0: affect the insect? Channel. This is pretty cool sci-fi. <laughs> I mean, I could I could see. Oh, here you go. Here's a here's a story idea. Are you ready for this? Here's a story idea. They're doing this research up on the space station, okay. and they're using fruit flies because then they can see the generational stuff because they right, they, they... they live and die really fast. Right, right. Okay, and so they got a fruit fly, and all of a sudden they notice this errant fruit fly floating around, and they look at it, and it's got the markings on it from the original generation.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: It's a Methuselah fly. Oh.
1: <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, just like the Star Trek crew that never dies. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine
0: what a Methuselah fly could do?
1: Hey, <laughs> I hate regular flies, so you know, it's just like you smack
0: that thing five times and he still comes back at you. God,
1: yeah, that's a nightmare. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just thinking about them gazillion eyeballs and. And that proboscis hey, hey, coming out hey. the front.
1: I don't mind And those that. little
0: hands rubbing themselves together As looking long at you. it's
1: not a scorpion, I don't care what you do with
0: it. <laughs> the uh, second link that we give you actually has a video to go with it.
1: Yep. Got it, guys. <laughs> so,
0: <coughs> so enjoy the video. It should be room. some interesting things.
1: That was called Tiny Space Soups Keep Bugs From Exploding in Vacuum Video.
0: Wait a minute. You said space soups.
1: Space suits. Space
0: soup. See, now there's another story idea. Insect space soup. Or perhaps <laughs> I,
1: space I, I insect don't, soup. I don't need to think, think about it. Honestly. Ooh,
0: then we should get the scorpions then. No! Oh,
1: somebody was talking about that. Uh, <laughs> yummy and <alligator>. crunchy. <laughs> Are you freaking insane?
0: Especially well, yeah, scorpion, All you have to do. Okay, here you go. All you have to do is add food color number nine. Um, whatever that red food color dye. Uh, and then just a a, hinge,
1: no.
0: a hint of.
1: Chocolate. Yeah. I'm sorry, but uh, I don't care how <laughs> how you package that puppy. And you call
0: that a bloody chocolate scorpion?
1: <laughs> I am sh- shivering with anticipation.
0: Do you think we're getting a little off topic here?
1: Yeah. All right. Well, when you get things like tiny spacesuits keep bugs from exploding in vacuum, that's that's right there is interesting. Right
0: there you go. You know we talk a lot about SpaceX and we talk about Sierra Nevada we talk about Boeing um, as man projects under a NASA uh, the, uh, okay now my mind is going to be fuddling um, <laughs> we talk about the man space side of this but there's another side that we kind of need to watch in in our um, um, related tech as we look forward and, and moon Express has announced that it will continue flight tests at Kennedy Space Center using the newest version of its lunar lander test vehicle later this month. The MTV-1A is an advanced version of the MTV-1X lander test vehicle, successfully completed a series of initial flights in December, earning the company a million-dollar award for the Google Lunar X Prize. Just try saying that fast five
1: times. I know. Now,
0: it utilizes flight software and a number of flight components that will further demonstrate core features of the vehicle's innovative propulsion and avionics, paving the way for the company's goal of developing the world's first private spacecraft capable of landing on the moon. Now, the tests are being conducted at the Kennedy Center um, moonscape area. And they've got a great picture here with the thing lifted up off of uh, a bungee uh, from a forklift. And it's actually supporting itself on a tethered flight. Um, now, Moon Express was announced back in December of 2014 as the first commercial user of the Kennedy Center SLF for flight testing, and Cornerstone Movement, as a Cornerstone Movement of the Transformation Center, becoming a multi-user space form. Now, they've shared facilities and coordinated range operations with NASA's Morpheus Lander test vehicle. And so forth, and the lunar catalyst program designed to spur commercial cargo transportation capabilities to the surface of the moon. So these guys are headed to the moon. They're hoping this lander is the first lander on the moon. Which is kind of exciting given that they've proven it out. Morpheus is a is a good bit larger lander. So there are there are some competing elements as you were talking earlier uh in the industry and exposure to move forward. And that is our news for tonight. So well, what I'd like to you, do...
1: You guys can... Hang on.
0: What do you mean, you guys? What? what, what Remember,
1: what? we always had the extra stuff at the end.
0: We'll do that after the commentary tonight.
1: Oh, we have commentary.
0: Yeah, we have a commentary.
1: commentary. i giving you guys a Facebook page in case you need to find out any more information. and Or want to uh, be on the show yourself, not just this show, but also an uh, our author show, or whenever if you're creating something, I want to know about it.
0: You're going into the break time now.
1: Huh? Hey, I'm under- expanding, okay. expanding. Yeah, um, i would definitely do a thirty-two seconds, thirty-six seconds by here. Okay. Are you ready for that? Yeah. It's time for a break. When we come back, we'll get into the commentary. Okay. I have no idea what he's going to comment about, but this should be always interesting as always I'm is with. Comment
0: about commenting.
1: That sounds like a government thing.
0: Actually, it might
1: be. Yeah. So, here we go. 30 seconds.
0: Come on out to the Hey Girls Americana radio show, hosted by Song River and Carol Pacey of Carol Pacey and the Honey Shakers. All coming to you live on KWOD Independent Internet Radio, broadcasting from the Ice House Tavern in Phoenix, Arizona. All sound recorded and mixed by Vintage Note Records. Come on out, check out the show, and then visit the website at blogtalkradio.com backslash kwodradio. We'll see y'all out there.
1: KWOD Radio, and this is Patty Hillstrand, and we are on live. I wanted to go over briefly about things that are coming up. Uh, Amazing Arizona Comic-Con is next weekend, uh, 13th, 14th, and 15th. And who are you going to see there? Well, let's talk about that. You're going to see Rob Liefeld and Tom McFarland. I think most of you who are, you know anything about comic books, Tom McFarland going to be out there. Yeah, see, he barely ever gets to a con. So, you know, the only reason for you guys to be out there is going to be a comic book legend, image comics, uh, creator or spawn, for goodness sakes, you know. Uh, Friday, one day only, signing. So if you want to be there, be Friday's a be- day to be there if you uh, want to meet Todd McFarlane. Uh, Steve McNevin. He's a Marvel Comics. He's also a comic book legend at Marvel Comics. I think we all know a little bit about Marvel Comics at this point. <laughs> for those of you who don't know anything about Marvel Comics, please, for goodness sake, get your head out of his hand. Uh, Mark Bagley, he is the, uh, also a comic book artist, Marvel Comics, Spider-Man. I think we know all know Spider-Man. You want to meet a Batman artist? Well, then, obviously, DC Comics and Greg Capullo is the person to talk to. He's a crazy man, and you all are going to love him. So, if you haven't met him yet, it's time to do so. Kevin Eastman is going to be out there. And, of course, you know he's a comic book legend. He's creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And he's going to be out there Saturday and Sunday only. You guys want to know more about who's going to be out there? You know, uh, there's a place to be. Right online, AmazingArizonaComicCon.com. AmazingArizonaComicCon.com. I'm not going to say. She, so many people on here to shake a stick at. And you like to see your try. But yes, you guys got to go out and take a look at it. It's got all the Power Rangers, or at least most of them, um, from Nickelodeon. I think you guys remember Power Rangers from Nickelodeon. uh got the different Nickelodeon... Uh, Power Rangers there. So, definitely, you see, there was six of them. Goodness sakes. Oh, there were that <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, that's because there's a lot. It's, yeah, Al said, I didn't know there were that many. Yeah, of course, there were that many. Because you got, like, different versions of the show, and they uh, you have multiple troops that come in and become the Power Rangers. And, uh, Back when my son was young, he was a entirely different group compared to what's out there now so definitely uh coming out, you got uh artists from my little pony uh, disney veteran wow, Matt Nostos from disney t v and sci fi channel writer. oh, so you have any ideas on sci fi channel It's just interesting to talk to. <laughs> Hey, hey, we have one right now. Matt, you just need to, you know, listen to our show and you'll find out what they are. Anything more? He's ready. He's ready. So here we go without further ado. Give me more time, mister. Okay. Let's go.
0: Welcome back. We're going to, I'd like to share with you just a little bit. We've got a link out there now from SpaceNews.com. Um, a man I'd like to call a friend at some point. Uh, I've only met him once. Uh, I've admired him from a distance. Um, Rick Tomlinson.
1: Oh, Rick. He's
0: part of the, uh, I believe, yeah, Space Frontier Foundation. He's part of several of them. Uh, Orbital Outfitters, uh, several other different uh, organizations. He's co-founder of the Space Frontier Foundation, Deep Space Industries, Orbital Outfitters, and founder of the Earthlight Foundation and New Worlds Institute. Um, but he heard a speech by President Obama delivering the 2015 State of the Union Address. And there was a phrase during the course of the address, um, that got his milk in his throat. What? He was drinking some milk and it got caught in his throat when the president said what he said. Now, I was just looking here to find the exact quote. Uh, now, that, the is that, president... Is that
1: when the milk like, went through his
0: nose and Oh, him uh, Do you really want that picture in your mind?
1: <laughs> it's too late.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, then you get to suffer with it. Anyway, the president had just said we were going to space to stay, and then amplified it the statement with an invited guest to symbolize his commitment. And, of course, that was Scott Kelly, who's going to be spending a full year on the ISS coming up soon.
1: Well, the rest of the story is he's got a a twin.
0: Right, that's going to be on Earth doing the same activity type things on Earth so they can compare the results of the two.
1: And a freaky freaky twin thing.
0: Uh Uh-huh. So, Mr. Tomlinson... Evaluates what's going on, and he, he he does some things, and some of the 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 discussion is is kind of interesting for the wordplay, the assessment, um, the understanding of of what the president could have meant, what he might have meant, and then towards the the middle he says what he probably meant, and the reality is that that yeah the government's idea of going to stay is Sending multiple robots. Maybe another ISS. Maybe a lunar version of the ISS. You know, who knows? But it it won't be something they'll live in permanently. It'll be a handful of people at Bust. And they'll do a little science and then they'll come come home. Do a little science and then come home. Now, Rick brings up some other points, as do several of the commenters, about issues that we actually face today. One of which is, of course, a government that doesn't want to fund a space program, or at least not one that can do any real good. Um, And second, a public... That is so disappointed, perhaps, that NASA didn't do anything, um, and also that space advocacy groups are fractured and fighting amongst themselves, trying to tell Congress, five ways from Sunday, which plan we should be going. Oh, moon first. No, Mars first. No, asteroid mining first. Um and I, I, I sit back, and as I and as I read his words, I realize, yeah, okay, yeah, this is all true, absolutely true. And I kind of, I got uh, got to a point um, where he talks further about we want to get there, we want to go to space. And maybe not everybody wants to go to space, but they want this country to be in space. And while that's an admirable, I think to a degree that's an admirable desire, an admirable goal. But the problem is is we've got the space advocacy groups fighting over which direction to go. you got the private groups launching their missions to the moon and Mars. And they're all basically competing as well. And so, you know, I I have to admit, um, there is much to be said in how we approach this. In what way? Well... Very, uh, one of the commenters mentions that if we as a community could come to some sort of consensus, then our politicians would have a clearer idea of what to do. And they need that <coughs> because most politicians are reactionary, not proactive. And well, I'd go for that. I still don't think the, the politicians would do anything. They'll, they don't, say they, yeah. they'll say they will, but they don't do anything. But let's go back for a moment to the idea that the space advocacy community is fractured. And and that's a bold faced truth. But also so is the business community. I mean, look at it. You got you've got you got Mars Inspiration, you've got Mars One, you've got uh Rick Tumlinson's Mars Direct plan, although he's not um he's trying to lobby for that through through NASA. Um, there are Several other plans floating out there at different degrees. There is the Google X Prize uh, encouraging businesses to come up with ways to get to the moon and mine and earn a prize for that. Um, But you know, I wonder. And here's here's just a little what if for you. Okay? What if the moon first folk all got together. The moon first. And they got together and they went over to the Mars first folk. And they said, hey, we got an idea. Let's save you guys some money and let's get started faster by joining forces.
1: What a concept.
0: Well, especially with the next step. When you look at uh, Mars Inspiration, they've they made a great start at raising funds. They made a great start at making the public aware. They made a great start at publicizing and trying to keep the public aware by engaging the public with news and information about the applicants who will hopefully get a chance to go. They did some things really right. But in, in Well, they're, they're still going. It's just going slow. But they're they're being forced, um, I don't know if they're being forced, but they're following a path that looks at the NASA way of certification, training, and so forth of all the people and the equipment that has to go. And so we're looking at least 10 to 20 years before they even get anywhere. Now, the moon-first folk, they're not much different. They're still looking at this um, plotting, methodical, slow, Snail-driven methodology of getting people into space, which means you got to test and test and test, and then only the people who are five foot six and a half and under two hundred pounds and skinny little meat racks can go to space. Skinny you
1: know, little meat racks.
0: <laughs> They're not really skinny little meat racks, but <laughs> the, the the criteria is so specific. Right that the number of people that you can actually send to space is, is really big. Yeah. And then there's then there's the whole issue of this whole not invented here thing. Now, to a large degree, the very level of competition that's happening now is showing up that there are there are niches where a lifting body will do great stuff. There are niches where a capsule like SpaceX and Boeing will work well. And then there's SpaceX other niche of recoverable boosters, which will reduce the costs more. But there's still this problem of fragmentation in the community. But here's the thought. I started with the idea that the Moon first folk go over to the Mars first folk and say, "Hey, what if we collaborated? What if together we came up with a collection of material and ships that when put together could do both." In other words, the ship that takes us to the moon, refitted at the moon, and then keeps going to Mars.
1: That's a brilliant idea. All
0: right. Instead of throwing all these ATVs and HLNs and and Soyuz and all these things down into the gravity well of the atmosphere to burn up, well, why don't we put a little ion thruster and send them over to moon orbit so that they can be added to the Mars ship instead of shipping up new stuff? You know, we throw away one of these craft every month, if not more often. I mean, in six months, we'd have six modules. You can't build those that fast on Earth. It just doesn't happen. Um, Of course, I have to admit, though, that probably the biggest thing that getting in the way of even something as magnanimous as these guys joining forces is the idea that they're competitors. Yeah. Just the thought that they're competitors competitors, gets in the way of them coming together and creating a single, shared plan where everybody gets what they want. The Mars First folk get to go to Mars. They get to be the first ones on Mars. Nobody's wanted to take that away from them. The Moon First folk get to be the first ones on the moon. They get to do the moon mining. They get to do the the import-export business to the ISS and setting up the Mars craft to go to Mars. But here's the rub. This is the cool thing. If our space advocates could get off their uh, armchair
1: butts
0: (laughs) and learn how to cooperate and work together, you know, I'm willing to bet that you throw a couple of media marketing people in there into that mix, I'll bet we could be on the moon in less than Five years, and Mars two years after that.
1: Pretty lofty goal, there, Mister.
0: I didn't say it was a goal. I said it's a possible. I think we spend too much time in looking at the risks as having to be overcome. Sometimes we can't plan how those risks are going to be overcome here. Any more than Columbus could figure out all the risks he had to overcome to get to the New World. It's an ocean for crying out loud! You stick a boat on it, you ride it
1: across. We've
0: known since Apollo, we've known since Gemini, the basic conditions that would be required to go from the Earth to the Moon. Just had to tweak it a little bit to get it right. And. What the Apollo craft couldn't have survived longer. You know, there's a note. You know, this 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 makes me really wonder about something. Most of the, the ISS, did you know this? The the International Space Station has been in orbit. Most of the units, so particularly the U.S. Unity and the Zvezda, Zvezda, I don't know how you say that thing, have been in orbit for over 20 years now. Now they're starting to show their age. But these modules were designed to last. And they have. Now, another note that I found out just the other day was the Curiosity, apparently, and every Mars rover that's up there that has actually done work, lasted five to ten times longer than they expected. And I think that's because they they make the effort to design everything, to over-engineer because they don't know. If we could just scale back halfway, we'd still get two to three times long-lasting equipment and modules, and we could build them a whole lot faster. We could get them up there. We could let people live in them, let people figure out what they need. And one of the things that we already know how to do is we know how to join up Soyuz and ATV and HLN and Car and uh, Dragons. and 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 Soyuz, I said Soyuz. But we already know how to connect them all together like Tinker Toys. So why should it be difficult to assemble a ship from the used modules from the ISS that have only been up there a month? They're designed for months at a time. Why couldn't they be designed? Or why couldn't we expect them to last the six months to get to Mars? And how much could we accomplish if you took these funding engines that they've all got and consolidated them? How much could we raise towards a consolidated, long-term, single-mission track of pushing men and women, and eventually children, into settlements on the moon, Mars, asteroids, Callisto, Ganymede, and Titan. And who's to say? By the time we get to Titan, I bet you, I bet you, we got a star drive by then. I figure it'll take us 20 to 30 years to get to Titan. And at the rate technology has been advancing these days? Yeah. Wasn't it just 10 years ago that the idea of a warp drive was absolute fiction? Yeah, uh, and now there's a it. NASA scientist actually working on it. Yeah. Well, we knew that
1: was eventually going to happen. I mean, sort of to
0: those of everything. us with a science fiction yeah. background yeah. and faith in, in humanity believed that it would happen. Now that it is slow, I mean, we've already got ion drives. We've had those for years. So. Whether the government's going to make anything stick, well, sure they will. They'll throw a module up there, and 10 years after they've decided not to go back, they'll declare it as a national park, and nobody's allowed to go near it.
1: <laughs>
0: like people are trying to do for the Apollo landing site. So, yes. Yes. I think it's a fallacy that the government is going to go stay anywhere in space, and I think that until our groups, our people can find ways to bridge the gaps that they've created between our groups, we're forever going to be squabbling here on this dirt. Yeah, it's been a
1: problem of the you know humanity, to down time. Yeah, we all just get along.
0: I don't think we'll ever get along, But I think we can at least learn to cooperate. That would be nice. And if we did, I think we might actually have a chance of reaching some of the scenarios that we've been given, whether it be Star Wars or Star Trek. I think there is a scenario out there that, that we'll achieve. I know we can do it.
1: What's your plan?
0: What do you mean, what's my plan? My plan is to close the show out here and uh, go get me some sleep. Yeah. So... (laughs) You know, thanks, guys, for joining us tonight. There's been some new, uh, intriguing new things. We look forward to watching the space launch of SpaceX uh, craft tomorrow. Uh, Keep an eye on that. Um... And you know, here's here's the thing I'll share with you guys. Uh if you should um uh, find something interesting and if you're listening to the show and we don't cover it
1: Let us know.
0: Let us know in the chat window. Okay. Call us up and say, Hey, I saw this neat and exciting thing in the news mm-hmm. that you didn't cover. Because yeah. I can't hit everything. I know. And every week I go back and I look, oh dang, I missed that. How did I miss that? Well, we got to move on.
1: Yeah, well, we don't have a warp drive, so we can't get everywhere at once.
0: Well, you know that uh, Tachyon-based uh, time travel ship <laughs> that they showed on Star Trek would be kind of uh, cool, too.
1: Yeah, it's, it's yeah. my mind just yeah. thinking about it.
0: So, oh, <laughs> shall we share the, the idea we that, that I came up with the other day? You that that paradox? <laughs> uh,
1: for, okay, this is more into the uh, realm of make-believe people so if you
0: make-believe time travel we're going to leave you with something a little upbeat and and here's here's a paradox for you now you're going to have to help me remember this because i don't think i'll get it right okay okay it how did it start
1: well, it.
0: <laughs> what were we I... watching okay we were watching voyager last night
1: yeah,
0: yeah. on netflix and it was an episode where kes comes back oh, to voyager yeah
1: that was
0: uses Mm -hmm. the energy from the warp drive to go back in time to make Voyager get killed off and free her earlier self and take her back to Ocampa so that she could develop without Voyager doing things. Yeah. So they create this scenario. They, They end up killing the older cast. Yeah. So she's laying on the ground. The captain goes over to the to the younger cat and says, we need to make this video. So they make a, a, a hollow hollow thing, message for the older Kess to find when she comes back in the yeah, future.
1: She, she knows what she so doing. fast
0: forward to the future. Yeah. Kes gets comes in, kabam, ba boom They shut down the warp drive ahead of schedule. She can't get the power to go back in time. There's the hollow video of young Kess saying, hey, you came back in time. No, she didn't.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it drives me insane.
0: <laughs> How would the hollow message even be there? So uh,
1: and then and, and that's I, not even the best. And then the captain's saying, Oh, I almost forgot. Yeah. <laughs> forgot what
0: <laughs> And if that doesn't twist your brain. Think about this, you know, when we talk about people going back in time, the usual goal is to go back in time. Set something up so that they make lots of money. Go forward in time, get your money, and then live happily ever after.
1: <laughs> wow! So
0: I, so I says to Patty because she's this big time travel guru geek, okay. and I says, okay, you got these, this, this family. They get a chance to go back in time, and when they go back in time, they realize, hmm, how can we manipulate things so that when we go forward in time, there's more money for us. So they (laughs) figure a couple of things out. They go back to the future. They find that, hey, it worked. But instead of staying in the future to use their newfound wealth, they take that newfound wealth, they invest it in some technology items, and then they take those technology items back with them into the past.
1: Okay.
0: Before they did the stuff with the money to make more money in the future.
1: And just as a lot of these ideas. Just so,
0: thinking about this bouncing back and forth before they did something that actually made what they're doing now possible, how does that even work?
1: Exactly. <laughs> it just boggles your brain and. Just <laughs> just <laughs> just Have we folded it?
0: the space around your mind brain deeply enough and created an origami fold? <laughs>
1: Well, anyway, folks. A paradox in your own mind.
0: (laughs) A paradox of paradoxes. There you go. And with that, I'm definitely getting punchy. So we're going to call it a night here, folks. Have a great week. We'll look forward to seeing you next week when we can report, hopefully we'll be able to report, a successful SpaceX launch and landing. That would just be so cool, wouldn't it? That would be cool. That would be way cool.
1: Way cool. And
0: if they did it once, once they get it right the first time, SpaceX is good. You know, once they get it right the first time, They'll keep it right from then on.
1: Yeah. So they learn and they cross-size right. oh, yeah. and they do it again.
0: So, as I say every week, folks, be safe, be bad, and be good at it. Good night, folks. We'll see you next week.
1: This is k Radio, and you guys have, have had a bad time to be able to get your act together and get your all the links that we've shared with you. So if you haven't, you know, definitely click, you know, click and scan and copy and paste them into another file here because we're about to go off air and you won't be able to get to these anymore. I know it's a sad thing, but uh, we are working on a website to be able to add all these links uh, near future very very soon and it has nothing to do with time travel. So with that we're going to say this is this is Joe and Val. And this is the next space show with K Radio signing out.